Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, August 12th. In today's news, Joe Biden's selection of Kamala Harris to be his running mate puts her at the forefront of the Democratic Party's future. The pick is an emotional moment for Black women, and the announcement sparks delight in India and Jamaica. But first, the big idea. All of the women with a shot at becoming Biden's running mate first had to face the same, sometimes jarring questions during an initial interview. What would your agenda be? What do you think Donald Trump's nickname for you would be? This was the opening gauntlet of an arduous voyage, interviews followed by interviews, and for the 11 finalists, a deep examination by an individualized panel of 12 to 15 lawyers that culminated in FaceTime with Biden himself. This process was in many ways unlike any other vice presidential search in memory, taking place under an unusual public glare fostered by Biden's declaration back in March that he would consider only women for the job. Kamala Harris emerged on top in the end, winning over Biden and his immediate family. She is the first black woman, the first Asian American, the first graduate of a historically black college, and the first Californian since Ronald Reagan to find a place on a major party's national ticket. Several people involved in the vetting process told Michael Shearer that while Harris was always considered a frontrunner, the process was fluid and stayed unpredictable until the end. Race hovered over the interview process from the start. As protests swept the nation after Memorial Day, one prominent white candidate, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, publicly withdrew from consideration, while another prominent black candidate, Stacey Abrams, announced publicly that she thought Biden needed to select a woman of color. Abrams and Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth, a disabled Iraq war veteran whose mother was of Thai and Chinese descent, were among the candidates interviewed by Biden over the weekend. They both received a phone call yesterday telling them they did not get the job. The initial vetting was conducted by a team of four co-chairs, former Senator Chris Dodd of Connecticut, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, former Biden advisor Cynthia Hogan, and Congresswoman Lisa Blunt Rochester of Delaware, They logged more than 120 hours meeting with party activists, interest groups, and other stakeholders with designs on who could best serve the party and the country. They also met in pairs with more than 20 initial candidates, all of whom were suggested to initial public records reviews. Then they prepared a PowerPoint presentation for Joe and Jill Biden to narrow the field. Biden also met individually with each of his four co-chairs to solicit additional recommendations and thoughts. Harris performed well in that initial meeting with the co-chairs. She spoke to them at length about her close relationship with Biden's late son, Beau, and her personal story of having immigrant parents, a mother from India and a father from Jamaica. Harris also continued to aggressively play an outside game, working with interest groups, courting black activists, and otherwise trying to influence the process. Despite a leaked comment from Dodd questioning whether Harris had enough remorse for her attacks on Biden during the primary debates, Biden himself stayed true to his public statements behind the scenes, displaying no lingering grudge. Long after Harris had accused Biden of offending her for praising segregationist senators and opposing forced busing, the two leaders found a way to get along. That's what politicians do. They met by chance in a private airport terminal on the campaign trail on what happened to be her husband's birthday in October 2019. As Harris's husband, a successful lawyer named Doug Emhoff, shared cupcakes with the Biden team, Harris and Biden wandered away for a private conversation. People in both of their camps say that it helped solidify the bond. Ultimately, 
11 women were in the final stage of the process, far more than previously reported. And Biden conducted one-on-one interviews with each of them over the last nine days, sometimes in person, some virtually. Celinda Lake, one of Biden's pollsters, did research on the best way to introduce all of the candidates and to tell their personal stories. The campaign prepared rollout strategies, including potential new logos for all 11 of the finalists. Each of them was also subject to an extensive legal vetting run by former White House counsel Bob Bauer, former Homeland Security Advisor Lisa Monaco, and former White House Senior Counsel Dana Remus, all veterans of the Obama White House. They oversaw a team of 12 to 15 other attorneys for each candidate. They scrapped every part of their past, and they did an invasive examination that would typically involve questions about everything from personal finances to drug use in romantic affairs. Once all that information was in, Biden consulted individually with his family, including his wife, but also his sister, Valerie Biden Owens, his longtime friend and advisor, Ted Kaufman, and his chief political strategist, Mike Donilon. Finally, Biden made his decision. He sat down before a laptop at a desk in his study in Wilmington to speak virtually with Kamala Harris, who was at her condo in D.C., In front of Biden was a framed Hagar the Horrible comic strip that has long inspired him. In it, Hagar shouts to the heavens, why me? And the answer comes back from the clouds, why not? And that's the big idea. Here are three other notable dimensions to this most consequential decision of Biden's candidacy. Number one. This announcement has major implications, not just for the November election, which is now just over 80 days away, but also for the future of the Democratic Party itself. Biden will be 78 years old by Inauguration Day. He would be the oldest president ever. He has said he considers himself a transition candidate. The choice then places Harris, who was a more vibrant and energetic presence on the campaign trail, but was also at times quite unsteady, at the forefront of the party's future. The 55-year-old will now become a vessel for Democratic hopes for a diverse party empowered by women as well as for Republican attempts to funnel a barrage of attacks that have so far largely been unsuccessful when waged against Biden alone. Biden has also pledged, if elected, to name a black woman to the Supreme Court, which would be historic. President Trump tweeted a 30-second ad yesterday created by his campaign that criticized Harris for some of her more liberal positions, including a willingness to embrace Medicare for all. She later came under pressure from liberal Democrats for adopting a more moderate definition of her health care plan. During a White House briefing, Trump also used a word he often does to refer to women with whom he disagrees. He said Harris was, quote, nasty during that Supreme Court confirmation hearing for Brett Kavanaugh. Number two, Harris's selection as the potential next vice president was met with excitement and relief that black women, in many ways the heart and soul of the Democratic Party, finally have one of their own on the national ticket. Several women said they were surprised by their own reactions, given that Harris was considered a lackluster primary candidate and is hardly a trailblazing activist herself, and that her own presidential aspirations had fizzled last year. Biden's announcement, though, instantly draws a new image of what a top American leader can look like. And it comes at a moment of social reckoning, as not just African-Americans, but also women, have taken to the streets against a president that many consider racist and sexist. Biden's choice was described as safe by some analysts, When you think about it, that's a striking description, given the historical prejudices facing black women in our country. This highlighted the swift changes in the political landscape as the choice of a black woman, almost unthinkable not long ago, seemed Biden's path of least resistance. Some women had to reach back many years to recall the last time they'd felt this moved by a political event, 
whether Barack Obama's inauguration in 2009 or Shirley Chisholm's 1968 election as the first black woman in Congress or her 1972 quixotic campaign for the Democratic nomination. Biden himself has at times seemed to embody the casual attitude toward women and minorities that many activists on the left are fighting. Before he launched his campaign, a woman came forward to complain that he'd invaded her personal space at a political event, and he faced criticism for saying he'd been able to work with segregationists early in his career. The country's two major parties had only put a woman on a presidential ticket three times previously, and all were white. All have also lost. When Geraldine Ferraro in 1984 and Sarah Palin in 2008 joined the Democratic and Republican tickets, the men at the top were lagging in the polls and hoping that an unusual pick might disrupt the campaign dynamic. This time appears different, with Biden holding a comfortable lead in the national polls as the campaign heads into its home stretch. Harris and Biden are set to have their first joint appearance later today in Wilmington, Delaware. Number three, at 5 a.m. local time on Wednesday in New Delhi, Balakandran Gopalan's phone woke him up at his home in India's capital. It was his sister in South India calling with good news. Their niece could become the next vice president of the United States of America. Harris's mother, Shaimala Gopalan, came to the United States from India to pursue a doctoral degree in California. Her father, Donald Harris, arrived from Jamaica and taught economics at Stanford University. When Harris was sworn in as a U.S. senator, they traveled to Washington for the ceremony. Now they hope to return in January, only this time to see her inaugurated as vice president. On social media, Indian politicians in the ruling party and the opposition all expressed pride. Harris, whose first name means Lotus in Sanskrit, has said that after her parents divorced, her mother raised her two daughters with an appreciation of their dual heritage. And in Jamaica, friends of Harris's father said they were delighted with the pick. Richard Baranel, a former Jamaican ambassador to the United States, likened the situation to when Colin Powell became the U.S. Secretary of State because Powell's parents were Jamaican immigrants. He said it's a small country, but Jamaica always feels they can accomplish anything. That self-confidence, he explained, has helped them survive and thrive all over the world. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, August 12th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.